Michael Martin. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Yo, yo. How are you, Jordan? I'm very well, but more importantly, I'm very curious around how you are. Every now and then I see like, you know how you see those people who are like going for runs or like doing some exercise or outside or whatever, but mate, you always seem to be popping up on some sort of long marathon or something crazy with your kids. Awesome, man. I love it. What, uh, tell me, did you have something recently and tell me what it was? I did a half marathon on the weekend. However, um, I, like I'm not an overweight dude, but um, I'm not fit. I've always, I've had asthma my whole life. And then about 2014, like I was playing soccer, over 35 soccer. And um, I was like your classic super sub. I'd come on for three or four minutes, fluff a goal, like I'd <laughs> try to score or whatever. But then my asthma would flare up and I'd come off the pitch um, and I'd be back on the bench. So then I thought, far out, I need to try to work on my fitness. And then that's when I kind of got into running, just doing slow runs and got bigger, bigger, longer length. Um, so I started, I, I did a marathon. I worked up from doing a 5K run all the way up to a marathon in 2014. But I feel like I failed in the marathon because I got massive cramps um, about 26 k's in. So I ended up doing a fair bit of walking uh, for the back end of it. And then I kind of just gave up on running. I rewarded myself for doing the marathon, even though I did a shit job of it, but I did it. Um, but the, the last the last year, the last year or so, I've been trying to get healthy again. Um, so I've started to try to get back into running and I'm a person that kind of needs a goal. So if I haven't got something, if I'm not doing it for a reason, then why am I doing it type of thing? Yeah. So that's where I've, um, yeah, did a half marathon earlier in the year and I'm, I'm hoping to, um, I've got a goal towards the end of the year of, um, or the start of next year doing a, a full marathon again. And I wrote my, my son into doing a half marathon with us. He's 18. So it was pretty happy that he he did that but i'm not a fit guy i just shuffle along yeah doesn't matter (laughs) i still think like you're still super inspirational like i'm a i'm a gym guy like i'll get up in the mornings and go to gym and all that sort of stuff but i would like i just i feel like i still feel heavy like i still need to run or like get out there and whether it be you know, run running a full marathon or walking it, like I still think, you know, it's a pretty solid effort. Yeah. So um well, no, well going to the gym's good as well. Like I'm 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 far from a gym guy. I'd I'd love to have more muscles, but uh, <laughs> um anyway, I was just gonna say a joke, but I'll leave that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me off. Yeah, you can't yeah, you yeah. can't you can't win anyway, can anyway you look at Anyway, onto property, mate. So tell us mm. a little bit around sort of your, your thought processes or, or philosophies on building out a, a portfolio over the longer term. Yeah, well, uh, my thought process is property is a long game and you make your wealth out of um, not so much the cash flow, but out of the capital gain. So you want to get a bit of a mix, which is the ideal, I guess. You want to um, you want the property to pay for itself as much as possible. It's going to be harder with rising interest rates, but um, yeah, you make your 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 real wealth out of a doubling and tripling your value as opposed to um, making three to five grand a year, you know, passive income. But the more properties you get, the um, you can build up that passive income. Long yeah. term, though, long term. 
I totally agree. I think, um, you know, I love the old saying of equity or gross, what gets you out, but cash flow is what keeps you in. And I think it's times mm. like that really make that stand out. Like you would have, you know, if you were an investor prior to sort of 2020, you would have really felt the growth come through and felt like, I mean, everyone probably mm. felt like a millionaire. I mean, I felt like a millionaire after that, that growth came through and uh, this is mm. super simple and easy and we've all done well, well done, patting each other on the back. But you know, if you're in a, an awkward situation now where rates, you, you maybe you're fixed at like 1.9% and rates start to roll over and all of a sudden you hit with a 5 or 6% interest rate and um, it really does change the cash flow things. And if you can't sustain the portfolio with the cash flow coming through and had to sell, then all of it goes out the window. So yeah, I think you, I think yeah. you nailed it. Like, I think you're, you're spot on. And I think that comes from much of the wisdom that you've uh, you've gone and learned through through your journey, and I'm fortunate enough to, and partially the reason of, of getting you on the podcast is to let others know about your journey. But do you mind sharing a bit of your story with everyone? Of course, mate. Of course, and just what what you um, touched on there with with the cash flow and rising interest rates to give you a pat on the back. This, that's where your platform game plans comes in, uh, where you can um, really help to. Uh, be a fortune teller and tell uh, where, what your situation is going to be uh, with different circumstances. So you're doing a good job with your platform. But, um, sorry, mate. What I'll, I'll pay you and you later. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you, you asked about um, kind of my investment journey and some, um, I think, as um, a little bit older and wiser now, you you certainly learn more from your mistakes than your uh, successes is one of my um, mantras or philosophies, whatever you want to call it. Um, I I always had an interest in property from when I was young. Um, I was the youngest of three and my brother and sister were a couple of years older and they got married and bought um, properties when they got married. Um, I always had like two or three jobs and was a good saver. And I bought my first property at 21, uh, just in a suburb near where I lived uh, when I was living, living with my parents. And then a few years after that, I got married and the, it's hard to believe that the property I bought was only 160 grand. Um, and it went up to 240, so gone up 50%. And we just bought our house to live in. Um, so I made the stupid mistake of saying, okay, I'll sell, sell the investment property, take the profits out to take the pressure off the our home. So that was a good decision for um, a year or so. And then oh, back, back then, this was in, might've been about 2003. So it's going back a bit. Going The idea of taking equity out of your house wasn't, as common and well-known as what it, what it is now. Um, I'm not even sure if it was, I think. Um, so then anyway, a couple of years later, I realized, oh no, stuffed up. Um, I still always had a passion for property. So I bought a, we bought a, um, it was actually an off the plan, off the plan property. I'm a big advocate for not buying off the plan, <laughs> um, but and you'll hear why in a sec, but, but this property in Brisbane that we bought off the plan, it was through Murbach, so it was like a, a reputable company. Um, and that property was actually all right. I think it was about maybe 360 grand that we paid for it. Um, and then the next year, um, back when newspapers were a, a proper thing, I'd catch the train uh, to work every day and 
there was an ad for um, like investment properties. So I got suckered in and I bought, um, I had some, some slick salesman came over to our house and sold us on um, buying in a new development in, in out of Townsville. Um, my dad tried to warn us saying, oh, mate, I don't know, like it's good to continue buying property, but he's off the plan things. I'm not so sure about it, but I was a bit younger. So I, thanks, Dad. We'll <laughs> see how we go. <laughs> so we we bought one in so in 2005 or six. Um, so that was our second property. And then the, the property market was going all right then uh, from about 2003 to 2007, eight, the property market had a, a decent run. Um, so then he called us back the next year and said, oh, like the property's going good. We just released another stage of the development. Do you want to go again? And I'm like, yeah, we'll take two. So that was, that was ridiculous. So that took like a year to build. So we had, we are paying like the mortgage with no income coming in on it as well because um, it was a house and land package. Um, and then... 2008 came and well, the last 20 years I've worked in the financial markets. So I, I ended up losing my job with the GFC. We had three young kids. Um, and then we had the Brisbane property and three in outer Townsville. Um, so we had four in total. Um, the Brisbane one was doing all right. Um, it had maybe gone up to about 500. So it was up about 150-ish. But the Townsville ones were giving us a lot of grief. Um, every time a Queensland number, I'm based in Sydney, every time a Queensland number would call, I'd feel sick thinking, oh shit, what's, what's the problem now? Um, and essentially the, the vacancy rates, I didn't even look at vacancy rates back then. I just blindly believed the, the salesman. <laughs> um, so there was in this new development that was built, like well over half, 60, 70% was all sold to Sydney and Melbourne investors. Mm. So it was just a glut of um, of rental properties. So it's when the GFC came, unemployment went up a bit. So the rent came down about 40%. God. And so we had to put the rent down a shitload to get and keep a tenant. And the tenant, oh, we only... Um, had a tenant in the property for from about 2008 to 2015 probably about 70 percent of the time we had a tenant in the property and then we we're constantly having to get things fixed in it because because there were so many spare properties available for rent they'd um they'd choose a better one over ours so then in 2008 when i lost my job and then i had to um had to take a pay cut to get another job. And then my wife, she was only working three days a week because we had young kids and she had to go back to work full time. And then we had these three Townsville properties which were causing us grief. So instead of selling one of them, I bloody sold the Brisbane one, which was ticking along nicely. So I took the profits out of that to reduce the debt, which um, I thought would be a good thing. But the error, the big mistake there is like I should have sold one of the one or two of the um problematic town ones instead of selling the good Brisbane one. Um, so that that reduced a bit of debt, which was good. Um, 
but then like over the next five years um till 2015 it was like the same thing that was happening feeling nervous every time a queensland number rung um and then my wife would say oh like can we like have we got enough money to put a new kitchen in or to do this that or the other around the house and it's like oh we we can't because we're putting all our excess money into the bloody investment properties which saves the shits even more because the tenants were living in better like having a better kitchen than what we were having um so then ultimately we 2015-16 we sold the three um off the plan properties in out of townsville essentially we sold them pretty much to the same price as what we bought them for so over a 10-year period zero growth and we lost out with costs as well if i had thrown a dart at a, dart, a map of australia i would have done better you know <laughs> like seriously so essentially from my first purchase in 98 i think it was when i was 21 to then 2016 having all these investment properties i'm back to having none because of the stupid mistakes like the first one selling too early um the first one that i paid 160 grand for 20 years later that's worth about eight nine hundred now so like just that one little purchase by itself buying in a good sydney suburb um as opposed to buying in a brand new development where the developers make their cut the builder makes their cut the sleazy salesman makes his cut pulling up in a bmw and uh and yeah the poor investor suckers uh make nothing yeah oh, so, that, that, so so the the big and and i guess i could i could have got lucky with buying a off the plan property like i'm not totally against them but i've been scarred but the, the main problem was i bought three of them in the same development essentially so there was no diversification um so another big big mistake you know so the glossy um got sold on the, the glossy magazines and the depreciation benefits but um as I've now learned, that's um, not what you should be looking at. It should all come down to the numbers and the location and um, come down to the data and yeah, everything else is um, on top of it. So what, essentially. What a, um, what a journey, yeah. mate. I can't, I can't believe, you know, you just, you hear so many, well, you hear talk, <laughs> people talk about these stories of people who have been burnt through buying, you know, off the plan or house and land estate or something like that. But um, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a true testament yeah. to like having having three in the same complex. That's um, I can't yeah. imagine that. And oh, yeah. you know, that's, just the, they saw me coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, and and I guess that's no, kind of why you're so passionate about what you do now is trying to help people not make those mistakes. Because unfortunately, there are still people out there who sell the same stock and um, hundred percent still buy it. So you know, it's good that yeah. we people who've been through the journey can express their story. And thank you for being so open and honest mm. about it as well, because, um, you know, a lot of people can go through a hardship like that and kind of hide it and, and tie it away and sort of pretend it never happened. But, um, you know, we only learn through other yeah. So thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, cool, mate. No worries. And that's where in I think a couple of years after we'd sold out, my wife said to us, oh, like, how are we looking like, weren't old they're like maybe just turned 40 or around that she has oh like how are we looking for our retirement and then it just made me stop and think oh bloody hell okay and then i thought nah that's all right there's 
still got like 20 plus years till retirement age. Historically in Australia, properties double every, um, like every seven to 10 years, they say. So if you buy in the right uh, location, leverage up, then we can still have a good retirement. It's not too late. And then that's when I started doing a heap of research and then um, found out, <laughs> discovered all these uh, metrics, which, which are used to pick the right uh, locations. And that's when I discovered buyers agents and I spoke to quite a few of them was getting ready to, to use one. And then yeah, some, something happened with work and things changed. And then that's when I um, thought, hold on with all of the lessons that I've learned through my own experience with um, all the mistakes I've made that I can really help other people from making the same, same mistakes. Even when, so that's when I started my own buyer's agent business. Um, yeah. And I still, when I'm talking to a, a prospect, the main thing I always tell them, I don't mind if you don't, um, if we don't end up working together, but the only advice I can give you is um, don't buy the plan, buy an established house, just a house like you, what you grew up in and um, resist the urge to sell. Um, you, you make your real wealth over the long term. So that's, um, yeah, they're, they're the main things that I always try to just pass pass across to um, anyone I speak to. Yeah, And, and they're gold and uh, anyone listening who has, is thinking about that or in that space, I think, uh, you know, your story sort of, Gives them gives them a decent reason not to. And I, does that does that sort of quote all feed into your your sort of your property one liner? Oh, there you go, Jordan. Yes, um, resist the urge. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Resist the urge to sell. If you're thinking of selling, resist the urge. Yeah, yeah. Don't definitely, sell. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a big one. And I think a lot of people sort of live in the now, and um, you know, as you did, it'd be nice. Yeah. To, like I've got an expensive, possible place of residence. Be nice to you know, have a bit more cash on side. So it's not too much of a burden or whatever it might be, but five, 10, 15 years down the track, you kind of look back and go, I still could have held on to that and everything would have been fine. And hundred um, yeah. percent. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the, of um, the, um, financial, the banking system now that um, you can usually, um, if you're sitting on some equity, you can pull some out. So therefore you're still holding the property, you're utilizing leverage still and, you're still going to make the whatever percentage you're going to um, over the long term by yeah. holding the property. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's interesting yeah. that you mentioned that that you know equity wasn't such a big thing back in the day. The um, yeah, I, I can't imagine how the uh, the whole economy and wealth yeah. and talk of all that has changed over over time. So um, yeah, super interesting. And, and, and this is how stupid I was. I actually worked for a bank at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to the list. <laughs> Far out. Far out. Yeah, I suppose that you know. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, uh, you would have had. No, it was only it was only a small bank in New South Wales. So uh, no, this this is back in two thousand. Yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't a thing back then. Um, yeah. So anyway, Good you on. learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Spot on, mate. And um, hopefully others can can learn from your mistakes as well and, and help themselves through their own journey by doing that. But mate, thank you again for, for coming on and, and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. No worries to all the um, people listening who think, who feel like they're losers. Don't, you'll be <laughs> right. You can get through it. You can get through it. It's all right. <laughs> exactly. I love it, mate. Well, um, yeah. tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Spot on.
Spot on. Well, I'll uh, I'll catch you soon, yeah? No worries, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No worries.